0: Welcome back to the Get in Grit Podcast. I am Brad Pohl, your host, and this is where we tell the stories of sinners and saints. Does Ace trump the king? Who is the poor, the one who has no treasure, or the one who sees that they have not treasure enough to give any away, yet some built from orphan beginnings? Are we not children of the Most High God, as it says the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit? that we are God's children. Our treasure, therefore, is in heaven. Gentlemen, place your bets. Andrew Jackson was born in the Waxhaw's region of the Carolinas. His parents were Scots-Irish and had immigrated from what is now present-day Northern Ireland. They had immigrated to North America, to this region that straddled the border between North and South Carolina called the Waxhaw's. Jackson's father died in a logging accident three weeks before his son Andrew was born. As a young boy, Jackson was a tough kid, willing to fight, always concerned about his image. At a fairly young age, Andrew and his brother Robert were captured by the British during the Revolutionary War in 1781. When Andrew refused to clean the boots of a British officer, the officer slashed at the youth with a sword, leaving him with scars on his left hand and head, as well as an intense hatred for the British. The two brothers were held as prisoners. They both contracted smallpox and nearly starved to death in captivity. Yet their mother, Elizabeth, was able to secure the brother's release. And within two days of arriving back home, Robert was dead from the smallpox and Andrew was in mortal danger. Andrew's mother nursed him back to health, and then she volunteered to help some soldiers who had contracted cholera and died from the disease herself. She was buried in an unmarked grave. Andrew Jackson became an orphan at the age of 14, seemingly a life lost to the ashes of time, place, and significance, yet he would become a national hero and the seventh president of the United States. There's yet another story about an orphan and a number of the Jewish people who lived scattered throughout Persia after the Babylonian exile. Esther was an orphan, and she was raised by her older cousin Mordecai. The Persian king Xerxes ruled Persia, and he was displeased with his wife at this time and sought her replacement, so all the young virgins were gathered. Esther was young and exceptionally beautiful, according to Scripture. Esther didn't have much say in the matters that unfolded. She was young, she was pretty, and she was taken. Now when the turn came for each young woman to go into the king, she would go and she would not return again to the king unless the king delighted in her and she was summoned by name. In short, the king called out to Esther to replace his former queen. Soon after these events, Mordecai, her cousin, and now addresses the newly crowned queen. He learns of a plot fashioned by Haman, the king's advisors to kill all the Jewish people in the kingdom. So he sends the queen a message, telling her to throw herself before the king and beg for mercy on behalf of her people. Now this wasn't as easy it may have sounded, Esther knew that anyone who approached the king without first being summoned was killed, unless the king was in the mood to extend his scepter and spare their life. What Mordecai was asking her to do could have easily been the last thing she ever did. But Mordecai said, Do not think to yourself that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews, and who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. So Esther, Mordecai, and the Jewish people fasted and prayed. Can anyone master their faith without this? Then Esther went before the king. He heard her case and granted her requests. God's people were saved. God used both Mordecai and Esther in a powerful way. When you spend a moment thinking about the two stories of Andrew and Esther, at one time both were poor as church mice. Both rose from life's wreckage to have great treasures one was willing to give it all away. Let go of your perceived circumstances and lay hold of the power that every person is capable of something far greater than they or their present circumstances may expect, because our real treasure is God's gift of grace. But we must allow Him to use us. And does this come any other way than by our own personal response to Him? Does God need to be defined or need a pat on the back as if he's in need of our service? When we worship, do we add anything to his greatness? Jimmy Aitken, the Catholic apologist, would say, We only allow his grace to work into us when we are transformed more into being like him. So it's to our benefit that we worship God. Therefore, if you want to live a fully human life, if you want to truly live as a child of God and flourish by his grace, then yes, We are called and bound to worship. The tenets of true worship make this clear, that we know we are standing in the presence of the all-powerful, all-holy God. That should cause us, in some immediate natural sense, to have a great sense of reverence. That I am a human creature who has been made a son or daughter of God, and God has called me to fellowship with Him, to worship Him so I can know what it means to be a child of God and be a part of His divine and royal family. I am compelled, therefore, to lay down my life in service to Christ. And in, a, in that act of love and oblation, He blesses me with His grace. And I am made a better creation, a new creation. Maybe a Redeemer of my people. Maybe a better father. Maybe a better mother. Maybe a better friend from ashes to royalty, out of the wreck I rise. If faith is cultivated, it will achieve mastery. Given all men and all walks of life, even a one-eyed man is king in the land of the blind. And do not yourself play the king in fear that someone else will play the ace. Your election as a child of God is not governed by chance, but by the one who is higher than the heavens. Chris Tomlin wrote, Here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. You're altogether lovely, altogether worthy, altogether wonderful to me. And it's so. This is Getting Grit, signing off. I hope you'll come see us at www.gritquest.com. Subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, Google, iHeart Podcasts. Blessings to you all. Dominus Bobiscum.